16 minute two to discuss this week. Yeah, it's 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 always like kind of uh, you know we we're really anxious to see the second beta versions because uh, you know unlike like the point point updates later in the year and and you know going into WWDC the early beta versions tend to have like big changes in between each version. And yeah, that's why I work. that's why I've been running iOS fifteen point six beta because that's yeah. got a lot of features in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple Music Classical. Now um, <laughs> <laughs> it might be the release with Apple Music Classical, but Apple Music Classical is not in. The i fifteen point six beta, to be clear, I think they've. One thing that's funny about that is, uh, it gets it gets talked about, discussed as if it were like a rumor because it's been in code, you know. So it gets yeah. discussed as like that. But like when Apple bought that company, they said we're going to release a separate app next year. <laughs> that was last year. So um, yes, that's, and it's now half the way through the year. So yeah, it has to be soon, I guess. It's a race with next gen CarPlay is what it is. Yeah, so I was looking forward to sixteen beta two. Partly for the new change and stuff, because we're still early in the in the cycle, so they they add yep. stuff for you know normally through like beta six, and then it starts to stabilize. Um, but also beta one wasn't treating me too great on my phone. Like the stability was kind of rough, and the batch life kind of sucked in my case. So I know other people have said it's been fine for them. I actually found that turning off the fancy new wallpapers and lock screen yeah, stuff yeah. like i i went away from the uh weather wallpaper and just went back to a static image and the performance the general performance and battery life uh, recovered quite a lot so that's how i was living like the last week and i was more happy with it but uh obviously now with beta 2 comes out it's all changed and all up in the air again so here we are yeah. turns out having an app as your lock screen is a little intensive uh, at least in the first beta release yeah yeah, when yeah. obviously he- stuff isn't optimized and they're still working on it and stuff. Yeah. And you've got an old phone too. So. I do, yeah. The 11 Pro with the incredible Apple Silicon hardware. As we know, it's not capable enough for stage managers, so it also <laughs> can't run a, a an animated clouds and rainfall on the lock screen, you know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so so what changes did we see this week? There, there's, I mean, you know, like you said, stability, uh, battery life improvements, of course, because it's not the first beta. Uh, but there, there are some functional things too. Uh, yeah, on the scale of... Um, new features in a beta it wasn't the biggest but it wasn't zero there was some interesting stuff um so one of the things is with this new lock screen setup they have like obviously it's a big change and a lot of people what do a lot of people do with their iphones they don't do much customization but what do they do they change their wallpaper a lot right so mm-hmm. you th- that is an area where if they're going to change it up with all this new customization they still have to make it relatively straightforward and understandable enough for people that don't want anything to do with that can still just go into settings and change the wallpaper on beta one that was actually kind of hard because like the settings wallpaper settings was like a weird blend of the old and the new and the ui and the text and the copy was not very clear on what to do they have started to improve that now in beta two like i wasn't complaining about that like publicly because it was obviously just unfinished and on beta two now it's a bit clearer you can uh like customize your lock screen and your home screen independently if you want to just do static images or you can add a whole new uh, wallpaper from the settings screen which launches you into the lock screen experience like the lock screen gallery experience too um most people that are going in like guns blazing to i16 are changing the lock screen by long pressing on the lock screen right and that's where you get that kind of apple watch face style gallery which you can swipe left and right through on beta one for a start that was kind of like Again, at least on my incredibly old phone, uh, 
it's only two years old but um <laughs> it was like pretty laggy and the performance wasn't great scrolling through that's a, a a million times better on this beta 2 release and in terms of like interactions on that on beta one the way to delete a wallpaper or a lock screen after you configured it and set it up in there was to long press for a very long time on the on the card and then it would show like a context menu you know like a quick actions on the on an app icon on the home screen that kind of menu would, would pop up if you heard it for a long time and the only option in that menu would be delete so you press delete and it would go away which felt kind of wonky in beta 2 it's much nicer because they've made it reflect how the apple watch works how multitasking you know the, the app switcher works i.e you swipe up it shows you a little bin you can press the bin and then it just like zooms off into the distance and it's uh, deleted I, I spent the first week thinking that you couldn't get rid of lock screens and beta yeah it wasn't obvious <laughs> yeah yeah. I'm pretty sure that now in hindsight it's like oh the first beta they just already knew it was unfinished so they just gave like whatever they could implement the quickest just to have it be theoretically possible but they always wanted to do this swipey up thing because that was what was, that was what was most intuitive right because the the rest of the screen is based on the Apple Watch face gallery anyway the one thing that you still can't do compared to like how you can re- is rearranging because on the on the Apple Watch if you go into the gallery view you can long press and then it like pops out the watch face into like a smaller timeline so you can move it rearrange it and put it first put it second put it third you know move it to the end of the list you can't do that on these lock screen gallery at the moment you can long press and doesn't do anything beta two. maybe they'll add that i don't think it's the uh the be on the ender if they never do it because you you never end up with that many after you've like messed about with it you know for the gimmicky for the gimmicky sense but once the novelty wears off you would probably end up with like you know, one, two, three, or four lock screens. And if you really want to change the order, you can just delete them and reset them up. You know, it's not a huge deal, but I think they probably will at some point let you rearrange them by long pressing, but mm-hmm. not in beta two at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we already mentioned the kind of like refinements in the setting screen, which make it a lot clearer now. If, if you just want to set photos and you can, it comes up saying like customize home screen pair or set, in, set individually. The, you can tell this is still work in progress. Like you change the wallpaper from the settings panel and like the previews of the home screen and lock screen just don't change so like oh it didn't work but you actually go to the home screen it has changed so again this stuff is in flux and it'll get better i'm sure um they have added a few new options if you want to do the lock screen stuff so if you're on the photos face now in addition to like full color and black and white you can now do a duotone option and there's like a color watch which is like different filters basically that go over the image and you can choose the color and choose the tone so if you want to be a bit more artsy about it you can do that which is nice they've brought the astronomy watch faces uh, not watch faces lock screens to iPhone 10s before oh. they weren't available ah. um that was that was a bit controversy right over the last couple of weeks was yeah yeah that's the yeah. feature that everyone's <laughs> been mo- moaning for right like i mean on the iPad, you don't get any of these lock screens this year, so <laughs> the iPhone XS users are sitting pretty. Uh, but they've also just updated the astronomy faces to now they're even higher resolution. Because if you look on Beta One, they'd sometimes like bug out a bit, and they'd just be quite not very detailed. If you actually looked at the Earth or the Moon, it was just a bit blurry. Now they're in a lot higher detail, a lot higher resolution, which is nice. However, they have made a change which I don't like with those faces <laughs> because because they're like. Like, all of these lock screens, they're almost like magazine covers, right? They're just meant to look great, right? They're not really about the information. That's where they you have the widgets. Just the, the raw wallpaper backgrounds are just yeah. meant to be, like, beautiful magazine covers. But what they've done on astronomy is 
now there's a green dot, a big circular green dot on over the top of your actual location, which kind of ruins it because I like it just like the astronomy face is just as if you'd manually gone to Google search, found a cool image of a planet and set it as your wallpaper, except that it's dynamic and that it actually shows your real location with the real weather forecast and the the clouds in the right place, right? But now it's like, here's a green dot. So I don't actually need to know where I live. It's, you know, it's just for, it's just for aesthetics, you know? It's consistent with the Apple Watch astronomy face. It's always had the green. Yeah, dot but I don't like it on that one. I, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. No, I agree. Yeah. And, and the framing when the it was introduced, Kevin Lynch was like, if you wake up, <laughs> it was like, wake up in a new country, you see where you are or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, that the green dot is, is the, is, is too aggressive. There's a lot what, of what lock bio. screen have you been using yourself at the moment? Any of the new ones or not? Or? No, I've got uh, I have three set up. One is color gradient, and I'm you know I think it's really cool how they have that built in now, where you don't have to go on the web and look for like cool color gradient wallpapers, and and you, you can kind of make your own. And there's different ways of doing that. Um, but I've got one of those. I've got one that is a, a, a rocket, a, a starship rocket. And it like peaks over the time. So I like that. And also the, the way that that works in beta two seems to be smoother as well. I was seeing it was like really, uh, you know, choppy and unfinished in beta one, of course. And then beta two, it seems like you, you see less of like a pause and then the, then the time get behind the subject. Now it seems a little bit more sm- smooth. Um, although I think there's just going to be like a, it's not going to be as smooth as possible. Cause there's always going to be like a, a phase where you, you swipe it down and you've got the full image and time and then it like reacts to that. But that's my second one. And my third one is um like a close up motorcycle shot. So not just I'm still doing my own personal wallpapers. Um I guess I had a fourth one with my kid just to kinda of try it out. And you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what you were saying about like the overlapping stopping, I do think they can improve that a bit more because like even if you use the default iOS sixteen wallpaper, which is the like greeny, bluey, yellowy amorphous blob thing. And they have the time, yeah. uh, like, inset behind it, occluded by the the bit of the stripe. If you set that, so that's like the default iOS 16 wallpaper, even though there isn't really a default anymore. But you know what I mean? Like that's the one they show on the market images. Yeah. So if you if you have that on your lock screen and it, without doing anything, it's correctly obscured, right? So the, the in my case, it's eight forty five. The five and the four are cut off a little bit, you know, in a nice artistic fashion. But as soon as you start to swipe up to actually go to the home screen. Like you can, it doesn't like fade in or like come forward or anything. It literally just statically shows the entire time, which looks a bit rough. Yeah, it just um, jumps immediately too. Yeah, it just jumps immediately on, and that's when you swipe up. And if you go back down again, like yeah. it, it looks kind of off. And given the fact that the like clipping depth effect is like a huge focal point of this entire, like at least on the photos faces, it feels like they could maybe make it a bit nicer there where it continues the cutoff until the time's fully out of the way of it, at least on. Maybe they couldn't do it for any arbitrary photo you picked, but at least on their like own system faces, you know, it feels like that should be possible. But yep, and and, and I'm you know I, I think that'll improve over the cycle. Mm-hmm. Seems reasonable. Um, iCloud backup uh, can now be done <laughs> over LTE and five G for anybody. This was a very weird thing. We spoke about this on the show before, actually. Like uh-huh. this was when the iPhone twelve came out. They they pitted this as a five G feature, and <laughs> <Yep>. then in <laughs> some countries. They made it available on, but I think it was only some carriers. It was very complicated. It was carrier-based, yeah. Carrier-based, yeah. So even if you had some 5G carriers, you couldn't get it. Um, But now anybody can do it, including if you're just on normal LTE. So 5G not required after the branding 
power of the 5G stuff has worn off a bit. But so now, it, if you if you have enough data, you can opt in and download and back up your device over LTE and 5G and Wi-Fi, obviously. Which is- so so you you can uh, you can update your software if you're on 5G, and you can back up if you're on 5G or LTE now. So just just keeping score here. It's such a weird matrix. It's like, just, just make it work. You know? Well, you know, what's happening is people are moving to 5G. So the 4G towers are, you know, they've got some extra bandwidth there to work with. In the messages app, if you are using the new features like undo, send and edit, or if you're, if you're talking to an older, someone with an older device, those changes, like the edits don't, have, previously on beta one, you wouldn't get any recognition at all. Like if you delete a message, if you edit it, it would your side of the conversation would be exactly the same as before. You wouldn't get interaction. Uh, as a backwards compatibility measure, what they've done on beta 2 is if you edit a message and you're talking to somebody on iOS 15 or earlier, now it will send a follow-up SMS saying that the message has been edited to say something different. Yep. Which is that- kind of reminiscent of the tap-back hack they're using group SMS, but now it's available for editing as well. Yeah, and that's quite important, not just because of the beta, you know, where people are using it in beta and others don't have it yet, but because iPhone 7 and, and earlier cut off, and, you know, that, that seems... <laughs> like, you'll, you'll still see those phones used in the wild for a long time, I think. And so, it's, so you, you want to have that compatibility, at least with communicating how it works or what's happening. Yeah, and, and to be fair, it does warn you, like it says you're communicating to how to use or if you delete a message and you're talking to another person it says like this won't actually do anything for, for this person yeah, uh, yeah i mean a lot of, like I, I i don't know what the percentages are but it's got to be about 50 percent of people on iphone 8 or newer right probably like in the world something like that probably I've, yeah <laughs> I've so this, this yeah. will happen in time but yeah obviously there's weird crossover periods mm-hmm. what, what i feared when these features were first announced is that It'd be like you couldn't even like I guess what I thought would happen is that those features would not show up in conversations with older users at all. Yeah. Like because that's how like the SMS stuff works, right? Like iMessage exclusive features don't show up in it. Oh, that's not true either, because I guess tap box they do the compatibility thing. But like for editing and deleting, like it feels a bit weird that you can delete a message, but it knows you're talking to somebody you can't actually process the delete so maybe they could just like disable it altogether for those phones and and, and that gives a pressure for the other person in the conversation to get a new phone or drop out a bit of software uh but that's not how it works in sent with balloons parentheses yeah sent with balloons exactly yeah. <laughs> and then a, a kind of a bug that i had and a lot of other people had on this beta is the now playing card on the lock screen just disappeared so <laughs> you could be playing music but your lock screen would be none the wiser about it uh I don't know. Did you have this? I had this like immediately. I was so confused. I've not had it yet. And, okay. you know, what, what we're actually looking for here is the cool thing that Federico showed off in the keynote, which is, you know, it's like we have a whole new full screen music player preview that's like dedicated to the artwork or whatever. And yeah, as an option, right? So yeah. you can have the you can have the little like rounded rectangle thing, but then you can like pinch on it or like tap on it or something. And then it like goes full screen kind right. of back to the old of like iOS seven days, you know? Yeah, and we're looking for that, but we don't have that yet. It's this early days still. But instead, what happened this release cycle was people are losing their their now playing uh, widget at all. I haven't lost mine yet, but I did see people like who had it, and then when you pull down to just like put them off out of sight, they couldn't bring it back. So yeah, mine was just completely gone. It's back today randomly. I don't cool, know. Like, I cool. turned my phone <laughs> off. I rebooted it yesterday. I was doing all sorts of stuff, and it just would never show up. But today it's there. So uh, there you go. But hopefully in a future beta, it will actually fully work with the beta summer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> beta summer. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, like I'm coming around to these like because they're now playing things like a 
it's like the precursor to the live activity stuff, right? Because, you know, Apple does, they have the now playing little card, they have the card for the timer and a few other ones. And then in an update to iOS 16 coming later this year, to use Apple's terminology, uh, third-party apps will also be able to make these like dynamically updating notification cards that also show on the lock screen. But Apple's support interactivity and the third-party apps do not. So like the music one's a great one because you can pause it and skim and that's going to even have the super cool like expand the app mod full screen. The third-party implementations are more more like widgets just stuck at the bottom of your phone. But I think it's kind of cool. I am interested to know like when the live activity stuff ship, are you only going to be allowed to have one at a time? Because like, that kind of sucked. Because like, I, I think it'd be cool if you just have like a whole little. You just scroll up and you see all your live activities sitting there, and they can do stuff. And yeah. you might have music and a timer and the shipping information, the sports scores, like those kind of relevant notifications. It's not unthinkable to have more than one at one at a time. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like the UI really supports anything but one at a time. Yeah, you want you want to track your sports and track your your food delivery at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Love we will it. keep an eye out for that for yeah. sure. TBD. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Collide. Collide sends important and timely security recommendations to your employees right inside of Slack. That means they get custom security advice and general information as Slack alerts appropriate for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices. Get started by visiting collide.com slash happyhour and sign up today. And as a Happy Hour listener, you can get some free swag by signing up. So don't forget to enter your email when prompted to receive your free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to overstep and be so invasive that they lock down employee devices to the point of being essentially unusable. I mean, that's just so annoying. So instead of frustrating the people working for you, Collide is an educational tool teaching security and device management practices and directing them to fix important problems. That includes things like getting developers to set up passphrases for unencrypted SSH keys, teaching how to securely store two-factor authentication codes and not just write them on a post-it note on the fridge, and also stuff like convincing employees to uninstall evil browser extensions that may be invading their privacy and sending their browsing history to third parties. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. So get started at collide.com slash happy hour today. That's spelled K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash happy hour. Collide.com slash happy hour. Enter your email at that URL to get a free swag goodie bag after signing up to a trial. One more time, collide.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Collide for sponsoring the show. All right, you did a post today. You did a hands-on with iOS 16 stuff, which which was the the new video player and the changes mm-hmm. to that. So what's what's changed there? Yeah, it's a pretty big update, actually. Um, if you can recall the old video player, it ha- it was basically based around like a top toolbar and a bottom toolbar in those like random rectangles and you had the little buttons inside. Uh, they've kind of radically overhauled it for iOS 16 and iPadOS 16 to be more in line with the design stylings from tvOS 15. So when they did the big video player update for tvOS 15 that me and you are a big fan of, uh, they've obviously taken that inspiration and now brought it to the iPhone and the iPad as well. The Mac version is unchanged compared to what you see in macOS Big Sur. So I don't know if that's coming eventually, but it's not coming at the moment. Uh, so what you get is a redesign uh that's you know immediately noticeable because now they've taken away those like render rectangle toolbars you just have the controls like white buttons and then a slightly dimmed background compared to the video content 
which allows you to see more of the video, even if it is like slightly dimmed out. It feels more modern and you're not really losing any sort of like usability issue because of that. In fact, I'd say it's more usable because they've taken the most essential buttons, i.e. play and pause, and taken them out of the tiny little toolbar that used to be at the bottom. And now they're just like slap bang in the middle of the screen. Uh, and they have skip forward and skip back in in that center area too. And then at the bottom, you get slightly more information now because you can see like the show name and the show and the episode title in a view on screen at once, whereas the old video player didn't really support that. And they have a little chevron which can reveal an additional description. And then you have the volume slider where it normally is, the uh, like progress bar playback slider at the bottom. They've taken the like nubs off of these sliders. And this is something in beta one where I was kind of like, because they do this on the music app as well. The volume slider there, the little like circular nub thing is gone. And that was kind of a bit weird and alienating at first, but I've kind of got around to it because what it allows you to do is place your finger anywhere along the track and scrub and it can adjust the position from there. So you don't have to like pinpoint the circle and then slide. You can just, you know, put your finger down and long, basically long press and slide wherever you want. So it gives you a bit more freedom there to, to do it. Um, but more than that, the video player has some interesting little like subtle shortcuts, I guess. Uh, so one thing is, They've removed the uh, double tap gesture. So before on the old video player, a double tap would zoom in and out. So like it would have, if you have a the screen in the normal aspect ratio with the black bars on left and right, you could double tap and it would fill the screen, you know, overlapping the notch area on the phone, for instance. And then you double tap and it would zoom back out again. They've taken away the double tap, um, which means that now nothing on that screen actually requires a double tap which means a single tap to reveal the controls doesn't have to wait for the double tap to happen so they've removed that delay which is quite nice it feels a lot better and even if the controls aren't visible if you tap in the dead center of the screen it pauses automatically so basically where the pause button is even if you can't see it if you tap in that region it it pauses and obviously you can tap it again to to, to unpause and play again so i mean i think that's a pretty clever idea because it's taking one of the most common actions you're going to do when watching a video is to like quickly pause it and make it even easier because now you don't have to wait for anything on the screen to be visible which is kind of nice mm-hmm. and then the cool thing oh by the way the the aspect ratio changing is now uh, exposed by um pinching so you pinch in or you pinch out um the really cool thing though that that is now finally part of beta 2 it wasn't in beta 1 is that yes you can scrub on along the slider of the progress bar to, to move you know minute by minute or second by second but you can actually just scrub anywhere on the video player so as long as you're not pressing a button you just slide left or right and it does you don't have to be over the bottom section you can be anywhere on the screen and it kind of highlights the timeline and from there you can just swipe left and right and you move forward or backwards along the video content it feels really nice actually and they even do like a um kind of like the inertia you get with like the rubber banding on like a list you know like general iphone they've done that for this so you like push and let go and then the track kind of like goes along a bit after you let go before it slows down so in just a couple of swipes you can like move like forward minutes and minutes at a time and you don't have to be like super precise with where your fingers go and you can just lazily put your finger down and swipe left and right so if a boring bit of the video's on you want to skip past i don't know an ad in a youtube video or something you just put your finger down and and you're and you're right there so in general it's a pretty nice modernization uh of the ios video player it is brings it in line with the design language of the TVS 15 player too. Um, this is automatically in Apple's apps, obviously, and it will be any third-party app that actually uses the system video player and doesn't do their own custom thing, which, to be fair, is quite a few uh, third-party apps just use the system video player, and now it's uh, even better, which is nice. The 
the knobs used to be so nice in iOS 6 and before that they were like you know, oh yeah because they like reacted to the motion yeah. right yeah 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 so it was yeah. like the, the like metallic reflection would change in your hand as you move the phone around um but of course that was gone in iOS 7 and later uh still still have knobs in the podcast app for volume at least so i don't know if that's just i haven't gotten there to it yet but the, the podcast app always lags behind like the music app redesign from three years ago only in ios 16 does it now actually do the thing where you pull it down and you can interactively dismiss it so they're mm. always behind yeah. for whatever reason so eventually they're like the podcast app does have design changes this year like they've moved the sleep timer to just a button in the bottom right and stuff and they like the title has like a subtitle with the time with the episode release date on it now but you're right it still has the old slider style because I'd have to look this up to be 100%, but the I'm pretty sure there's still the like the stock slider in like the iOS components library has the nub on it because you like adjust your brightness or whatever in system settings, it still has that circular nub. So they they haven't all changed to this like modern media one. So it might be something that developers have to like manually copy. I don't think there's like a built-in component to make it work that way. So that's one reason why like the podcast app hasn't changed to that because still like the default component doesn't do it. Yeah. You have to run the podcast app against Xcode 13 is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> to- totally a separate app. Um, that's another thing is uh, I do sometimes like watch a YouTube video on my, on my phone in landscape orientation and in, in, in my left hand and the seek forward and seek back buttons would be in the bottom left corner. So I could just tap forward, tap back or hold them down. I think and move ahead or backwards at a different rate. Um, so I find that that one one hand usability is lost with the new video player because the the the, the buttons for those actions are are bigger, but they're in the center of the screen. Which in landscape, you know, the corner is reachable for me like in one hand, but not the center. Mm, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So so I find that kind of frustrating. Uh, Although I guess you can like I guess you're not going precisely ten seconds or whatever, but now you just like flick your finger to the right or left, and it's going to push you forward a little bit. So yeah, yeah. I have to try that. I'm not sure that I knew that you could do it anywhere in the timeline. So. Oh, that, uh, that, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, so the, the anywhere on the timeline bit was beta one and then in beta two, it's anywhere on the screen, basically, is the got, difference. Got yeah. you. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that works in music, by the way, as well. Like, if you want to adjust the volume in music, you don't have to, like, precisely go to, like, that's why they've removed the circle to try and suggest you that you can do it anywhere. But I agree, it's a bit, it's not, it's not intuitive. You get used to it, but it's not, like, immediately obvious that you can do it that way. Yeah. New, new way to learn things. It does look like a, I mean, at first glance, it looks like they just haven't loaded it properly. Yeah, that's what I thought first. <laughs> when I first looked at 16, I was like, this looks glitched out. But I oh, know yeah. that's actually how it yeah. works. Yeah. Yep. Um, anything else on the video player? That's the, the biggest mm, change think, in TVOS. Oh, the one criticism series, I do have uh, is the TVOS version of this. They uh-huh. specifically added a section where like third parties could put any UI they wanted. So, you know, like if you're on the Apple TV on the system player, they have like that info tray at the bottom. And that has like your app next queue and other stuff in it, depending what if you're in like the TV app. Well, any third party app that uses system video player can have their own panels there that are fully customized. The iOS player in 16 does not have that ability, so that's a bit limiting. You can like overlay elements, but there isn't like a like a uh, Apple endorsed place to do it like there is on TVOS, you know. So it's going to be a bit of a hack job there. They did add um, playback speed options as default now for anyone, so you can do one x, two x, one point five, and that'll be enabled as standard for anyone that uses the system player. And previously to that, you had to like implement yourself, which meant most people didn't. So now that's available everywhere. But there isn't like a info view that any app can override or anything, which is a bit of a letdown, but. Because that would make it like perfectly match how the TVS one works, and that's not there at the moment. Yeah. One last thing I want to mention is the the pinch in and out to change the mm-hmm. aspect ratio. 
I think YouTube has done that for a long time. And so now it's consistent with YouTube. I'm like, yes. Yeah. 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 Which is probably the most popular video player on the iPhone. That's probably true. Yeah. (laughs) And the the other thing YouTube does is that it doesn't have like the 10 second skip on the screen. You like double tap on the left or the right and it does it. Um, But Apple hasn't gone that far. They they just have big buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Big buttons. Yep. Uh, Next up, we have uh, an update to uh, HomeKit and what can be a home hub. And the update is that Apple and iOS 16 and, and later iPad OS 16, TV OS 16, you cannot use the iPad as a home hub. And what does it mean to be a home hub? A <laughs> home hub is a device that's always on your home network and allows you to initially just have remote access to your devices. So if you had no home hub, which can be before an iPad, an Apple TV, or a HomePod, you could not have remote access to your you know, lights at home or whatever else, your garage. Like you needed a home hub to have remote access to your home. It also powers, I think, I think it, it, you have to have a home hub for any of the video camera features. So if you want to do home kit secure video, video. Like if you're at home, yeah. you can see your cameras, but if you want any recording to happen, you need a hub. Yeah. 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 Those are the big home hub features, <laughs> and uh, it's mostly remote access, isn't it? Really, yeah. yeah. But 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 not having a home hub like kind of makes HomeKit just not as appealing. Like not having remote access feels like a kind of a big one, um, big feature. So you know, well, because the it, other thing it does is it like if you if you don't have a home hub, you have to be like directly in range of all the accessories to like control them. Like even if you're at home, yeah, which you need to be like a... in yeah, exactly. Like the home hubs can re- basically like almost like a mesh network they're replaying the bluetooth signals across wherever you are essentially because yeah. it's then going over the internet so it, it generally makes the experience a lot better so picking up a homepod mini or a apple tv is a great is a great shout yeah uh the ipad has been an option but honestly then removing it is it's like saving people from themselves because it never worked very well in my experience yeah, well, well i mean you you so it has to be powered on of course like, you know an apple tv or a homepod they won't the battery won't die so it has to be powered on and it has to be at the home. Like you can't take the iPad with you and then have it be your home hub. You lose your home hub that way until you return home. And so, you know, and you're not going to necessarily, you're way less likely to take your home pod with you or your Apple TV with you. So that that's not, and then like you said, there's the performance in general as, as how it could be a home hub. So, um, yeah. And, and also the, the iPad was a home hub when, the home pod was $350 and the Apple TV of course is, you know, 200, 180, 150. So, um, having the home pod mini be a, a home hub since, uh, what, 2021. So mm-hmm. is, is a, I mean, it, was, it, 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 mini was 2020, I think. Yeah, 2020. So, so yeah. yeah. So that, that's a very fine solution <laughs> to having a home hub and and not not that uh ipads as home hubs were cheap but you know it was the idea was you had an old ipad laying around and it could be your home hub but um yeah and I, don't forget zach late this year the cheaper apple tv <laughs> cheaper apple tv and the big home pod <laughs> yeah but if you if you're looking at home hub options the apple tv is like the obvious choice yeah so yeah people that used ipads the home hub they probably were some of the people that complained about home kit the most because I, I think the reliability was not good and you had to be 
powered in. Older. Yeah. The only thing that I think is just like too bad about this is this is the solution of like turning an older iPad into a uh, like a wall mounted mm-hmm. home app solution so that anyone can be like any guest you have can have the same control you have on your phones. Um, and th- and that's just kind of a cool thing to do. And so that being, I mean, you could still do that, right? You could still do that, but that yeah. can't be your, that won't be your home hub if that's like yeah. Now you still need another device to like yeah. do the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. And it was just kind of like made sense of if like you know. If you're doing HomeKit stuff, you probably have one of the other solutions for Home Hub stuff too. If you've spent all your money on HomeKit accessories, get an Apple TV. You'll be yeah. you'll be very happy. Yeah, not not even the M1 uh, iPad can can support Home Hubs. So that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, This next thing where there's a feature in iOS 16 where, uh, and, and I guess probably around the new updates, but where if you're on the web and you have a captcha, one of those puzzles you need to solve to prove that you're not a robot on the web. Uh, iOS 16 will try to get around those under only sec- on ones that like support the API that's yeah. the same protocol. Yeah. yeah. In, in so. very specific circumstances. I, and I believe it's a, like an open standard type situation. It's a, the, the first ones that work, if you want to try out right now, are captures with Cloudflare. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Cloudflare like is like the CDN, right? That powers a lot of websites. Um, and they offer like free tiers. So loads of blogs use it and stuff. Like my blog is Cloudflare backed just in case because uh, it's free which is nice but they have a thing where like they try and detect um basically bot traffic and so if it thinks you're a bot for whatever reason it will show up like an interstitial screen before it actually lets you onto the website being like prove you're not a bot by doing this capture um this integration uh, that apple's done is the first partner is cloudflare i think they developed it with cloudflare so it, you should never see a cloudflare capture if you're using the ios 16 betas anymore because they're doing some clever encryption cryptography stuff to basically tell the website that you are a real person i'm not 100 percent sure how this works because like whatever they're using to tell the website they're a real person can a bot not like simulate it as well like i don't actually i'd love to i, I need to look into this more to like work out whether what actually stops people from defrauding it in that way but mm-hmm. apparently it works and theoretically the i mean what's the biggest capture you see on the web it's got to be the google ones right yeah like, the, they're the, the most popular the google yeah. stop signs and crosswalks and bridges and motorcycles yeah it's like the bikes. grid of nine things and it's like pick the blahs or whatever yeah um so hopefully google will adopt this and then people won't have to see them anymore either which would be nice yeah my first no thought guarantee. on this though was that the google ones are all like you know you're you're informing at least at some level uh ai for self-driving like uh, object recognition from cars mm-hmm. and of course google like has a hand in that with what are they, what is it called what i don't know wait wait or something i don't know but they, they've got their self-driving car initiative and it's like oh apple's doing the same thing they're gonna you know if they can knock off those and it helps them a little bit but uh you know, the, the real motivation here of course is just that those are very annoying and sometimes you can not be a bot like you can actually be a human like me and not be able to figure those things out. So that's oh yeah, they are so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially so, like they say like click on the crosswalks. I'm like I'm British. I have to remember what that is, or like <laughs> the tra- the, or where it's like a traffic light, and like the ver- there's like two pixels of traffic yeah, light yeah. in the box adjacent to it. It's like do I include that one? Do or not? It's is like that, you never know. Is that part of? Is the pole part of it? Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, si- kind of similarly related. There's also Bimmy support in Bimmy. iOS 16. Which I'd never heard of before, but it no. stands for Brand Indicators for Message Identification. Right. Which basically means if you're in the mail app and the person sending the email is a brand that's using the BIM- BIMI protocol, you will now basically get digital certification in the UI that the person sending it 
i.e. the company sending it, is legitimate. And it also includes their little icon. So this is a good answer, even if only Apple ever adopts this themselves, because you get a lot of like Apple spam emails saying you need to renew your iCloud or your Apple ID or find my iPhone's trigger and you've got to log in here, right? And you click on those links, they take you off to phishing websites where they're going to steal your information. But now there's a cryptographically private way for an email to come with a signature that says, no, this email definitely comes from Apple. So the mail app can show like verified, basically a verified indicator that this is coming from the real person. Bimmy, mm, cool. Been on my wish mm-hmm. list for a while now. Got us here. They also have similarly interconnected like sms filtering features but this is again something where it's like country and region restricted not really sure why but it's like enabled in full in india and countries like brazil but then you come to us or uk and stuff and you don't really get it so yeah i mean the answer to that is that it's the countries with the worst uh problems with those things but it isn't like the us and uk doesn't have an issue with that either you know like Mm -hmm. maybe it isn't as bad but it's not it, it exists and there are standards like the um because in the US, a lot of the carriers now right, have that little like verified thing, like Verizon does it, right? Where if you get a phone call from a weird number or whatever, it can have a little check mark next to it and stuff. So Apple has helped these carriers roll out these features, but not in the SMS app for some reason. I don't know. It's weird. They should just support it. And then finally, in this grab bag of iOS 16 stuff, mm-hmm. if you're auto filling credit cards, you can now save the three-digit code on the back, the uh, CVV number. So you can autofill it all in one go. And before, it would autofill everything on the front of the credit card, but it wouldn't save the back number, I guess, as a security measure. Um, but now it lets you do all of it, so you can don't have to like dig into your wallet to remember all your information. You can autofill everything. It's cool. CVV, card verification value. Good stuff. There is a bit of a... Again, like, why did they not support this before? I thought there was like legal requirements for them not to store it. Like, there's a... Like, that's the whole point of it being secure code is that no website's allowed to store it or something. But I mean, obviously, they've, they've got around it somehow and now now it works, which is well, cool. And it's, it's Apple, like, you know, it's not the website, right? It's Apple auto-filling. It yeah, Apple, yeah, yeah. Apple stores yeah. it. But I mean, they didn't they didn't store it before, yeah. presumably for these legally related reasons. But whatever, they've been able to overcome it somehow. So I'm happy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Their party password managers have, have stored it, you know, as they can store it. Oh, have they? Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. So there's Apple kind of catching up. You would that. know as the one password user. Yeah, not anymore, but but was before. Oh, you gone to you gone to Keychain? I, I've been on Keychain for over, over a year. Yeah. Oh, wow. For over a year? I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh yeah, no no certain re- no specific reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've used iClear Keychain for like the whole time, but recently I'm having some issues because it stopped syncing between my devices, which is a bit annoying, and I don't really know how to fix it, so that's a bit of a pain. But then I also can't really blame Apple because I'm always on betas and stuff. So mm-hmm. like my the rest of my family always use iClear Keychain, and they don't have any of the same problems. So <laughs> and it's been fine for me up until about January, and then it all kind of broke. So uh, yeah, that's well. <laughs> I'm hoping. Well, my plan now is wait till iOS 16 is like stable, release and all the other like corresponding iOS versions, install them at once, hope it fixes it. If it doesn't fix it, I don't know, I'm going to have to like write all my passwords down and then erase iCloud Keychain entirely and start over, which is a pain. But at the moment, I'm having like divergent password sets. Like if I, re- if I change my password on my phone, I've got to remember to manually update my laptop. Otherwise, the old password won't change, which is really annoying. Yeah, it's just use passkey in the future. Uh, the, the, the way I like, I think there's like, I think there's actually like good ways to migrate now. Like, I think one password has always made it easy, and then uh, Apple did it, make it easy to like import the stuff. But the way I did it was um, on on the Mac, and I'm sure this would work on on an iPad or iPhone as well. But um, 
you can you can obviously have your you know you you can have two different uh like quick entry ways of, of doing passwords so it can be iCloud keychain and one password you can pick between mm-hmm. each one and what i would do was log in to like just go through my list of everything i have and like log in one time and log in with one password but then iCloud keychain would ask me do you want to save this and i would say yes gotcha and okay. so i did that until i was just through yeah that's cool mm-hmm Happy Hour This Week is also sponsored by Jamf. Find out more at jamf.com slash 9to5mac. Jamf is the only company in the world that provides complete end-to-end management security solutions for Apple in the workplace. Jamf's purpose purpose is to simplify work with an offering that is enterprise secure, but consumer simple, and of course, protecting personal privacy. You can use Jamf with your organization to set up zero-touch deployment for your Apple devices and manage their entire lifetime with your employees. You can set up the self-service app catalog so that all the specific apps you need to get work done are easily accessible on all enrolled devices alongside things like OS upgrades, printer drivers, useful ebooks, and other documentation. Self-service helps to reduce help desk tickets and decrease long-term support costs through automation. And by being dedicated to Apple-specific solutions, Jamf have an unrivaled platform-wide offering and are renowned for offering same-day OS support across all of Apple's devices. So that means when iOS 16 comes out this fall, Jamf will be ready on day one. Today, more than 62,000 organizations trust Jamf to manage and secure more than 27 million devices worldwide. Learn more about Jamf's complete offering by going to jamf.com slash 9to5mac. That's spelled J-A-M-F dot com slash number 9 T-O number 5 M-A-C. Jamf.com slash 9to5mac. Thanks to Jamf sponsoring the show i want to say it was two weeks ago two weeks two days ago that you were you messaged me in the morning and you were talking about soccer and you're you're saying to me that apparently the the new soccer deal is going to be announced today and then Mm -hmm. like later that day it was about an hour and a half later yeah yeah, it was and it was apple's deal to be had so yeah pretty good eh? pretty good publicly tweeted that then it would have been a lot more impressive yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this this deal, this uh, Major League Soccer deal, has been rumored for probably about on and off a year, and then more seriously in the last couple of months, it was clear to people that were like paying attention that Apple had secured some rights of some description. And to be fair, when I tweeted you, when I uh, messaged you that I thought it was going to happen, I was expecting it to be a deal similar in shape to uh, what Apple did with MLB, right, for Friday Night Football. So they have like one day and they get a few matches every single week and then it like rotates round and that's it and then it's part it's not like the only way to get it it's part of a bigger service offering and like here's some free games right well what they actually announced was a universal incredibly wide-reaching deal between apple and major league soccer that gives apple the apple tv app exclusive streaming rights to all mls games which beginning in t- next season in 2023, and the deal is valued at about two and a half billion and lasts for ten years. So, this isn't like a dipping the toe in the water. This isn't you know oh we're going to do it for two years and then we'll see what happens. Uh, they are committed for ten years. It's two and a half billion dollars Apple's paying to MLS, and that's a guaranteed minimum. So, depending on the number of signups, which we'll get to in a second because it's a separate subscription. Uh, the MLS can actually earn more money. So both Apple and MLS are incentivized to kind of promote the offering and get people on board because if 
more than whatever they didn't disclose them you know the targets or whatever but if enough millions of people sign up ms gets even more money in it on top of that two and a half billion across the 10 years you compare that to something like friday night baseball which apple includes free with apple tv plus but you only get games on friday and it's only two games a week and again the the exact terms of these deals aren't public but based on like 10 different publications the mlb deal is a two-year guaranteed deal. So Apple's paid for two years, so they'll have it at least through 2024, and then there's an option to extend for another six years. So theoretically, if MLB, if Apple gets bored of MLB, they can be out of it in two years. But MLS, they're in until 2032. Part of the, part of the way this comes about is MLS, and again, I'm British, I'm not American, but my understanding is MLS is not exactly very popular in America. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like he's not like the top American sports, right? Like, if you tell it, me it, MLS, I have to look up what it means. Okay, so yeah, like obviously over here, soccer, i.e., football, is like the most popular sport in the country, and the Premier League is like valued at two and a half billion a, a year or something. You know, the rights of Premier League soccer are huge, and it, um, I think maybe even the the rights that I don't know who has it in America, but I think it might be. Uh, NBC Universal, they might have Premier League rights in America on Peacock. Um, whatever they pay probably exceeds what's Apple paying for MLS just to get the Premier League rights in America, right? Because Premier League and British football is, is massive. MLS is relatively small. It has a yeah, you know, it has a fan base, but it's not a household name, and it's growing slowly over time. But I mean, even like <laughs> even Apple made a joke about it with. Ted Lasso, right? The Americans don't know what football is. So that kind of says all you need to know about its popularity. But so one of the ways that Apple has been able to secure such a big deal here is that the sport is not it's not pre it's not a top premium sport, right? So the cost of getting rights ten years is nowhere near the cost of getting other sports. And interest from different parties is more limited. Like broadcast rights are less important compared to something like the NFL, because the the big the big highlight I think of this MLS deal is no blackouts because apple's got exclusive stream rights to every single game it means as long as you get the mls service through the apple tv app people that want to watch essentially all mls games can with no worries about region restrictions or blackouts there will be games uh still shown on broadcast because mls is allowed to sell broadcast rights but all games, regardless of whether on broadcast or not, will also be available through the Apple streaming service option. So not like uh, like MLB Friday Night Baseball is no blackouts, but that's because it's only two games a week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what they get with the NFL, like NFL Sunday Ticket, which Apple's rumored to be acquiring, right, for starting next season, uh, NFL Sunday Ticket has regional blackouts, I'm pretty sure. So different. don't expect you to every, every sports play that Apple does to be no blackouts because... It's it's a it's an un uh, unusual set of circumstances that allow them to get this in the in this case. And the MLS was quite intelligent and quite forward thinking in that they told all of their local broadcast partners to close up all deals for rights deals by the end of twenty twenty two because they were anticipating a a big streaming initiative a few oh, years back. Yeah. yeah. So, and obviously at the time, they didn't know necessarily Apple would be winning it, but they thought that, oh, we want to, starting in the near future, to have the ability to sell our entire platform as a massive package to a streaming service to somebody else because they saw the value in it. And other people were bidding, but obviously Apple's won it out. And so that's how they've got this is that 
the MLS basically ensured that all of their rights would come up for renewal at the exact same time, thereby they could sell it as an all-in-one thing, which obviously is very appealing to uh, buyers like like Apple. Um, so yeah, I think it's a like just on that basis alone, it's a very interesting announcement because Apple could have done exactly what they do with the MLB and given a few more games, you know, two days a week maybe, but they went all in and they're like, we're going to do it all. And this also coincides with the uh, American World Cup because America's hosting the World Cup in 2026. Obviously, if you're hosting World Cup football, that also draws more attention to the sport. So I guess MLS and Apple are hoping that by 2026, there'll be a lot of interest in the service, a lot of signups, and then they can get a, you know like a bump of, of interest from the Olympics, because not the Olympics, from the World Cup. So uh, that's another uh, aspect to this deal. They've announced that g- games will be programmed to happen on Wednesdays and Saturdays, which I thought was quite convenient because right now uh, MLS games happen like at complete random times or throughout the week, which is, if you're a fan, probably isn't ideal. Um, but this is interesting because if you think Apple's already got Friday for baseball, they're probably going to get Sunday for NFL. So the MLS is conveniently scheduled for Wednesdays and Saturdays. Like, you're just slotting them in the right places, you know, so they can have a different sport on every single day, which was interesting. So that is that. Do you have any comments before we talk about like the the pricing and that kind of situation? Uh, I, I have a comment. Um, the TV app is six years old in October, so mm-hmm. th- this deal will last longer than the TV app's current existence. That is very true, <laughs> and it does show some form of belief in the MLS side <laughs> that Apple's going to make the TV app better because, like, right now MLS has um, streaming deals with ESPN. And the ESPN app lets you do things like show four games at once, show mm-hmm. multiple sports at once, do, you know, picture-in-picture, picture, all this kind of stuff. Right now, the Apple TV app has none of that capability. Yeah. And you look at what they did for Friday Night Baseball, they didn't do much they, <laughs> in the they, scheme they, of things, they right? Did not, like, they did not do much. They haven't changed since the first game. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, they, you, you know, you have high high bit rate. It's 1080p, 60fps, high good quality stream. But the actual app experience is... Not not anything to speak particularly highly of. You look at MLB's own app; they have loads of cool stuff in the MLB's oh, own app. Have, but you yeah. go to Friday Night Baseball, uh, not so much. It doesn't matter so much for major for baseball because it's only two games a week. But for the MLS, it's going to be every single game is only streaming through the Apple app. So it puts a lot of um, reliance or trust in Apple to actually make their experience a lot better. They, they did have a sports section in WWDC, though, but that wasn't about Apple TV or the TV app. It was about um, following teams in the Apple News app. Incredible incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Again, if you're going to have all MLS games only through the Apple TV app, another big question mark is Android, right? Like, I was going to say, speaking of apps, this this deal is like the, the clearest one for Apple should have an Android solution for the TV mm-hmm. app here that isn't the web because they, they do have that for apple music and that's that's you know that's a lot of that is because apple music came from beats music and beats was already there but but still they didn't have to do that you know i I don't know that we're gonna have apple music classical on on android but um for for tv they've got their own service which they want to be competitive and you know is and do make for every basically every other platform but android phones and tablets right including android tv (laughs) including android tv yeah 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 um but not like and and they're so pernickety about it because like if you have an Android TV, you but you don't have an, an Apple f- device to make the account in the first place, they make you download iTunes on Windows and sign up that way. It's such a pain. Like, there's no Windows Apple TV app. There's no Android Apple TV app. So if you only have non-Apple devices, 
you, they don't even let you sign up on the website only you have to go through itunes on windows and mess around with that it's such a pain like all of this stuff every time they get a sports deal or any additional content it's like funnel this into an app that can actually like make customers happy you know and be easy to sign up and easy to cancel and offer like it needs to be as competitive as what netflix does like netflix's sign up sign up flow is so easy it's so clean like it works incredibly well apple's like basically offering everything that netflix does these days in, in fact netflix doesn't even do live sports so like you know apple's pushing to places that um the other streaming services don't even do at the moment but they're like software stack their app features are just so far behind and then the website is a complete disaster so it's like terrible on, on all levels but maybe by 2032 when MLS deal expires they'll have got their ducks in order on that um yeah one thing that this mls thing have promised which technically counts as a tv app feature that doesn't exist today is that you'll be able to choose uh your local radio station as the casting for the game instead of the production provided by mls so all of the like local um tv networks are no longer going to are no longer going to be part of mls mls is going to produce all games they're going to have like a casting squad like 10 or 12 casting squads that go around the country and cast all the games so i guess there's some people that are going to be unemployed like the local announcers and stuff but if you like your local announcers because you know they have regional interest and regional knowledge that a national broadcaster broadcasting uh, talent might not apple's gonna offer you a way to listen to them over the radio stream whilst watching the video stream of the mls which is a cool feature and they don't do that for mlb right now so even though that would benefit there too but uh that's something they have promised so there's some commitment there okay let's talk about the like subscription side of this unlike mlb baseball it is not included with apple tv plus or at least the whole service not included with apple tv plus this has been announced as a separate mls subscription service available exclusive through the apple tv app like, maybe it's like going to use like TV. the channels infrastructure yeah yeah so i was going to say like like apple tv channels which used to do hbo and that went away but so there's like showtime and paramount plus paramount and, yeah and all even the, though i don't like, think those ones even have like all the content of their actual name services they only have some of it it's like a weird yeah. weird mess but and, and then there's like actual channel specific you know services that have become streaming services so that they're in there as well yeah and and again relating to what we just said the channels experience has a lot to be desired too like using paramount plus in the apple tv app and like discovery and navigation is not the same as using like the paramount plus app like the dedicated app is so much better. You do get offline download support on every device where it's yes. supported when you go that way, which I think for HBO was was a perk. Uh, but but it, of course they went away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big advantage to the to being a channel is from a customer's perspective is that when you press play on the video, it doesn't have to boot you out to a separate experience. You can just watch it in line in the TV app, which is nice. But like show discovery and all that stuff. It's not very good because, I mean, even for Apple's own TV Plus service, the show discovery interface and stuff isn't very good. And the channel's interface is like a subset of that. You do get the service as an app on your Mac, though, which, again, is very niche. But, you know, if you don't go to the web for it, you go on the the TV app. So it's yeah, better experience. Anyway, (laughs) a bit of a tangent, but MLS will be a separate subscription only available through the Apple TV app. Uh, It will offer all of the games plus a weekly live match whip around show. Game replays, highlights, analysis, and other original programming. A subset of matches will be available at no additional cost to Apple TV Plus subscribers. And then a limited number of matches will also be available for free for anyone with no sign-up at all. Um, They haven't announced 
how much the MLS service will be, which is a big question mark about how popular this thing is going to be. Because like, if if MLS isn't a top tier sport, people watch it maybe on ESPN or something, but that's because they're already paying ESPN for something else. Like, you're going to have to go out of your way to buy the MLS service to get all the MLS games. Maybe MLS is hoping that like Apple TV Plus customers will get enough taste that they'll add on to the extra thing. But like. How much can they charge us practically? I, I think it's unclear. Maybe like five dollars, ten dollars, maybe or something, something along that on that along that line. Like you are getting all games, but again, if you only care about your local team, it doesn't matter so much. So they said pricing will be announced later this year, so we will have to wait and see what that is. For MLB, I think it's like baseline around twenty five dollars per month, but it's in and that's a sport in the US that's you know a lot more popular. Up. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and available not just in the Apple TV app, right? Like, <laughs> that's right. A lot of a lot of exposure, you know. Like the Apple TV app for all of it. Like, even if if the best app in the entire world right now, the number of people that use it on a daily basis is small. Like, it's true because Apple TV Plus is not super popular. So. Yeah, I mean, for, for for MLS, you have the benefit of it's it's Apple in the words of Oprah Winfrey, uh, one billion pockets, y'all. So. Um, the, the idea there is, well, it's a deal with Apple, so it's a lot of exposure, but also it's the TV app. And so, yeah, those one billion pockets are not all opening the TV <laughs> app on a daily basis. Correct. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then obviously like, Apple thinks that doing a deal with MLS will get more people to use the TV app in general, which, expo- you know, and, and clearly they want to drive subscribers to TV plus that way, you know, so. but not so much that they're going to include it all for free. Cause if you want every game, you have to pay extra. Yeah. Like I think if they, if it was like maybe maybe five dollars because obviously Apple TV Plus right now is five dollars a month. If it was like ten dollars and included Apple TV Plus, not a bad offering, you know. Like so, ten dollars gets you all the MLS stuff plus all the Apple TV Plus stuff. Um, or maybe if you want, you can only pay five dollars and get MLS on its own. If it's much more than that, I don't know what people. I don't know if it's really gonna be that popular. But again, this is something we we'll have to wait for the season to start stuff. And this is available internationally, so it's gonna be available around the world. It's not just a US thing, which is interesting. Um, and a cool little perk, if you are a MLS season ticket holder, so like you go to the football stadiums and you watch them in person, uh, the MLS and Apple are going to give you free access to the streaming service. That's a nice little perk. So if you get a, f- a season ticket, you get you don't have to pay any extra to stream the games at home. Cool. Which is cool. Nice. So yeah, I think this is a really interesting play. Like, obviously the most ambitious move we've seen Apple today, if they do secure... NFL Sunday ticket, that would obviously dwarf this in terms of relevance because getting NFL Sunday ticket is a huge deal. But again, I, I mean, no one was going to expect that NFL Sunday ticket was going to be included as part of 2 plus or 3. That was just a silly, silly concoction. But we can already see them laying the groundwork here for even something as small as MLB is still going to be a separate, uh, separate subscription. Mm-hmm. Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by BetterHelp. Here's a word from our sponsor. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash Mac happy hour burnout affects us all work life bleeds into personal life it becomes overwhelming try as you might we've all been there juggling too much at once at your job combined with everything going on in your personal life symptoms of burnout include lack of motivation feeling hopeless or trapped detachment from others fatigue and more i'm sure this is something that you can relate to I know it's happened to me before in the past. Burnout is usually associated with work, but it isn't just about work. Overworking yourself is not the only cause. Any of a myriad of things that we do in our daily lives can lead us to feel burned out. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what is causing stress in your life. Like it or not, 
we're in a world that's always telling us to push harder and do more with pressures to sleep less and to just grind it out. But really, you need a reminder to take care of yourself and trying some therapy is a great part of that. Therapy is a great tool to discuss your lifestyle issues with a neutral party who is understanding and responsive to your problems. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash MacHappyHour. That's spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash MacHappyHour. Betterhelp.com slash MacHappyHour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. All right, we'll end up here with uh, some hardware stuff. So uh, 9 to 5 Mac had a story today uh, from our colleague Jose and... It's about AirPod stuff and and uh, Bluetooth codecs and and AirPods Max beta. So, what's what's your understanding of this story here? It's a little yeah. Little this is kind of interesting. Me. So, um, do you remember that interview that the Apple origin engineer had? Where this is probably like the beginning of the year, and someone was offering like, what, "What do you feel limited by Bluetooth?" And it's like, "We can always use more bandwidth." <laughs> yes. And this was right around the time when people were talking about like lossless and the fact that AirPods Max don't support lossless right now because they they always go through a digital conversion even if you use a wire and so there's always been these rumors like nap offers lossless apple music high resolution bit rates and apple music when is that going to filter through to their headphones again we've spoken about this lossless isn't the be all and end all like really if you're using most headphones you're not gonna be able to tell the difference but it is true that there's probably a higher quality codec that you could use that is you know, because right now they use uh, AAC two fifty six kilobits a second. Lossless is like you know twenty thousand or something insane. But at that point, it's diminishing returns. But if you go from two fifty six to five twelve, you can probably hear a noticeable difference and have better headphones. And so this always seems like something that would be interesting. And sure enough, uh, on the iOS sixteen beta, if you're using the AirPods Max beta firmware, you can apparently enable the LC three codec, which is a higher resolution uh, codec supported by uh bluetooth 5.2 which is very interesting this is a future low power high quality codec that is not supported right now by apple's headphones but seemingly can be enabled if you do some hackery pokery in the airpods max beta firmware yep and and, and airpods max's or airpod beta program is, is all new this year right this is the yes yeah even though they didn't actually announce any particular features this year which is funny like <laughs> Because you know, like the year a couple of years back, they announced like automatic device switching and spatial audio. Yeah, yeah, no beta program then. But this year, they didn't announce anything. It's like it's a beta program. It's okay. Yeah, well, I'll be ready for next year, I guess. But yeah, I, I um, this feature. Well, this probably that. will require next gen hardware, like just because someone's been able to like half hack it to work on the Pods Mac doesn't necessarily mean they're going to enable it there. Yeah. Uh, Nine to five Mac sources confirm that the next generation of AirPods Pro will feature a new version of the H1 chip which could possibly also handle uh, the audio processor and that could handle LC3 natively and therefore we could see LC3 as like a trademark feature of AirPods Pro. Yeah, and the in the the report from Mark Gurman a few months ago was that uh, AirPods Pro 2, you know, is on the horizon, but that AirPods Max, what he had for that was just new color options and, mm-hmm. and then he wished for a lower price. 
but it, if you do, and I believe Quo mentioned something about lossless audio support over Bluetooth for AirPods Pro, maybe. So this okay. kind of ties into that. Yeah. Yeah. Surely, if they if they do this in the AirPods Pro, that they just you know without a lot of fanfare do it for the AirPods Max as well. Yeah, maybe it's not like this year, maybe next year or something. There's just a small update for the AirPods Max that can do it too. Yeah. Like rather than like fully overhaul, you don't need to fully redesign the headphones. You can just support the next gen chip. Mm-hmm. Almost like some other Apple product this week that <laughs> hasn't had an external redesign but has had a chip change. The M2 MacBook Pro 13 inch. Uh huh. This was going to, Apple originally said this was going to come out in July, but then they had a change of heart and it's coming out this Friday. So today, as this show goes out, uh, we've seen reviews this week for the M2 MacBook Pro. Unsurprisingly, everybody kind of agrees that this kind of a weird model isn't really recommended because it's the old design. And, you know, why would you get this when you get the Air, which is even slightly cheaper? But it does give us official benchmarks and stuff. And if you want some stats, the this is uh, quoting from Six Colors, the Jason Snell review. MacBook Pro 13-inch M2, it gets 1912 in single-core Geekbench 5. The MacBook Air M1 gets 1711. And obviously, the that that 1711 score is basically replicated across Mac Studio, MacBook Pro, all the other models too. So, 10% faster, 20% faster, you know, in that range on synthetic benchmark for single-core. Obviously, on multi-core, the M1 Max is of the world, the M1 Studio is of the world, still tramps it. But in terms of uh, M2 compared to M1, indeed, it is 10 to 15% faster, 20% faster. Again, so... Uh, pretty good there and on gpu it's significantly better because they've gone from a seven core gpu or an eight core gpu to a 10 core gpu and each of the gpu cores are significantly enhanced because it's the a15 gpu cores rather than the a14 gpu cores so compared to a macbook air or the macbook pro 13 inch m1 about you know up to 50 percent faster gpu obviously the monstrous like 32 32 core gpu 16 core gpu 24 core gpu options in m1 max and m1 pro and the ultra and stuff obviously going to beat it out but Decent updates compared to uh, the previous year. Snell also did a Xcode build test to try and get some real-world examples, not just synthetic benchmarks. MacBook Air M1 took 30 seconds baseline. MacBook Pro M2 got 28 seconds, so slightly faster. But the uh, 14-inch MacBook Pro Mac Studio did it in 18 seconds because Xcode is sufficiently parallel aware, so it can use the multiple CPU cores, so that wins out. But basically in line with what apple said there in the presentation which is nice for when the macbook airs come out next month you know what the performance is going to be sure yeah yeah which next month is soon yeah yeah it could be it could be the first <laughs> week of july based on apple Air's improvement on the m2 macbook pro the funny thing about them the moving the m2 macbook pro ahead is that if they release them concurrently like the air and then macbook pro on the same day they wouldn't have had any negativity because people wouldn't have bothered writing an M2 MacBook Pro review. Well, and, just... and presumably the comparison would would favor the MacBook Pro if you're, you know, stress testing it. And... Yeah, slightly. But I mean, if it's anything like what the M1 is like, it's yeah. minor, right? Like maybe the thermal limits are a bit different on the M2 gen and it's a bigger difference. But I think it's going to be, at least on the CPU side, maybe the GPU the gpus get hotter but maybe on the cpu side it's gonna be pretty similar like if they'd have if they'd have done their original plan of having both the air and the macbook pro come out together in july they'd be glowing reviews in the macbook air fingers crossed and then the macbook pro would be like a footnote of be like oh this is out too but because for whatever reason they had to ship the m2 macbook pro now it gets the more negative view uh but 
it's still the chip the underlying chip is good so that that bears well for the air coming out in july mm-hmm. and also if you want this week you can buy two other apple products the two different dual chargers the yeah. skinny one and the tall one or the uh-huh. wide one and the fat one and the tall one Check, yeah pick. Six, 60 bucks two two usb what is it uh what, i forget the wattage was it 45 it's 35 watts 35 watts okay but that's 35 watts total, so if you're charging from both at the same time, it's 17.5 watts each. Yeah, if, you, if you're just charging one thing, you get the, the full watt. The full speed, yeah. And things, if you're charging yeah. like an Apple Watch on one, it will only give you like 7.5 watts, because that's what the Apple Watch maxes out watch, which then means the other port can do 24 watts, basically. Sure, but yeah. Yeah, if you're, charging, if you're trying to charge an iPad and a laptop at the same time, it'll be 15 watts these. Yeah, so. kind of pricey for, for this category, of something yeah. with these specs. You can obviously, you know, and it's not GAN, so that's why the the wattage is a bit mediocre. Like yeah. you can get for very similar prices from Anchor and other third parties something that's basically the same size and can charge both devices at like thirty five watts or even higher, like sixty watts sure. even. Yeah. If you're, but it, GAN is probably still like too um, supply chain problematic, like yields wise for Apple to ship in mm. big numbers. That's probably why they don't have it. But third parties, you can buy them. Apple like scan for higher, very like way higher things to make them smaller. They they think that this is small enough. The the two different versions, one has the two USB C ports like facing outward from you, you know, like from the wall, uh, as as I don't know the US chargers are today, and and then you can replace the like duck head or whatever you would want to call that, and have a a longer cable. So if you know like max. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> Macs used to have and iPads can have. Um, so you can make that longer. The The compact version has the USB-C ports facing down. So um, you could have it like more flush with the wall um, if that's what you need to do. Um, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess these are, these are cool when they come with the MacBook Air in certain configurations. You can obviously buy them on their own. Um, yeah, the base model MacBook Air does not come with it. It's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, I think they're <laughs> if you compare them to like Mac, MagSafe Duo, you just want an iPhone charger and a watch charger in one unit. Uh, I think this is better <laughs> because you can you can I'm sure you, well can you fast charge the Series Seven with this thing? I'm, I would guess you could. I presume so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that with MagSafe Duo. So yeah, like if if like see if I were buying my my dad who just has the watch the watch on the phone, you know, recommending a charger, I would I would suggest he he buy a, another version of this, you know, <laughs> for maybe thirty bucks. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have um dual, uh, not like super high. No, I don't even have the GAN ones. I've just got dual USB C chargers, dual USB A chargers. Mm-hmm. You can probably buy like three for the price of one Apple one. Yeah, I've got I've got the, I've got a GAN one from I think Rav Power with is dual and it's black, so you know it's better. But <laughs> yeah, it's 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 cool that Apple made this more more uh, accessories. I think it's kind of hilarious they made two sizes. Like yeah, not really the Apple thing to do, but they're like this this product we're going to make two sizes. Take your pick. No controversy there. Pick which one you want. So that's that. Let's uh, see next week. Uh, a week from today, as the episode comes out, is July. So, Ooh. yeah, it's coming in hot, I and mean, I mean hot. Like it's hot. Uh, Maybe fifteen point six will be out by then with Apple <laughs> Music Classical down hundred percent. No, no doubt whatsoever. Just in time for summer. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, it, it won't be beta because we didn't have. Yeah, because obviously it's now we'll be in like a two week cycle of betas, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, some people were like disappointed there wasn't any like stage manager backwards compatibility improvements like for older devices. Yeah. These, if these you're are... expecting Apple to respond to the pressure that of the feedback they got on beta one, you have to wait longer because beta two was like baked, you know, right. on the same day that WWC came out, right? So like right. it doesn't even have any time to incorporate changes. If there's going to be a, a, a revert or a change or in policy on stage manager, it'd be like beta three, beta four, beta five, that kind of time frame. Yeah, you you don't have the 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 new videos for trackpad and mouse input in the system preferences app on on macOS thirteen. Ventura. It's not called system preferences anymore, mate. Well, system settings. system settings, yeah. system settings, yeah. This app, yep, uh, not there yet. So so those look look for those in the future. Uh, I, I am, and, and Federighi's really raised the bar on. Uh, yeah, he says we have a whole new, up. whole new vision for how to produce those, make make them better. So better be VR or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> stage stage manager on the Mac. Uh, I I really wonder if someone will find that useful and like like not just to try it out, but you know really really use it. So don't know what that's for yet. <laughs> Maybe personally. Anyway, that is the Happy Hour Podcast for this week. If you enjoy the podcast, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe for $4.99 per month for the ad-free version or $49.99 per year for the ad-free version. Uh, you can also listen for free with ads. We appreciate everyone who supports our sponsors. It keeps us uh, able to do the show. And uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at uh, happyhour at 9to5mac.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMAO. And we'll be back in two. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.